0: Hi everyone, it's Sylvan, and welcome to the Sylvati's podcast. Three, two, one, yeah. I'm really excited for this podcast because it's going to be one of the most personal ones I'll have done yet. And I've got someone really special um, joining me today. I've got Dr. Julie Shaw joining me. And she is a certified grief educator and founder of the Hello, I'm Greeting brand. By day, she works as a leadership and diversity equity inclusion consultant. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. I'm excited. I'm I'm happy that you reached out. And I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: Likewise. And one of the ways that I found you was through Instagram um I remember shortly after my mom had passed I was looking at resources on Instagram and you were tagged in another account that I was following and I just engulged your content I couldn't get enough of it it felt so personal and so salient and it felt like you 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 were literally looking at me telling me this is how you feel and I get it
1: wow Wow, I mean that's it's incredible for me to hear that because I started Hello I'm grieving maybe just last year, and you know I started it just for myself. And maybe that's what resonated with you, because I think I didn't care if anybody looked at it. I I didn't tell anybody I was doing it um, because I had heard that was a grieving, you know, technique that you can use because people are using social media. So somebody recommended, hey, why don't you just start this page? and kind of use it as your own therapy to where you can just post you don't need to tell anybody about it try it for three months see what it does for you and I think it really helped me like as an outlet and um, you know I think the best parts of different Instagram accounts is when people are just their authentic self so you really are connecting with people and and that was just my way to express what I was feeling, to connect with other people like yourself, right, because I think there's this quote that I've heard: "Your vibe attracts your tribe," and so I think my vibe that I was putting out there was attracting the the people uh, and bringing us together. So it's it's kind of turned into I started taking it seriously and and was receiving all the feedback from folks and could tell that it was making a difference. And I'm just one that wants to help people and give back, so I'm I'm running with it and it's turning into something really great
0: and it really is it really is something special to the point where now you know you're releasing merchandise and i want to talk to you a bit more about that because i can see if someone if anyone's watching you know you've got the hello i'm grieving sort of sweater on and some of the stuff that you come out with is really cute like
1: Oh, thanks. Like,
0: is she shipping to the UK? Because I really wanted some of this.
1: <laughs> I think so. I'm working on the back end right now, putting it together. Um, but yeah, I think this whole idea, and this is where, you know, I'm sure we'll probably talk about how you feel like people might be judging you when, when you're grieving, um, especially if you're so outspoken about it. I'm an outspoken person anyways, and so it baffled me when I took a look around and people weren't talking about grief and that I feel like it was something that where we were being silenced and maybe it wasn't where our voices were appreciated or people didn't want to hear about it. And and you feel like you're judged if you do. Um, And because a lot of emotions come with that and our emotions need to get out somehow. And so for, for me, the, the easiest way. And there's the cliche saying of, you know, wearing your heart on your sleeve or, you know, how we wear our emotions. And so just saying hello to grief and just coming out with it and just say, hello, I'm grieving, like (laughs) whatever ways you want to put that in there or just a nice greeting like, hello, I'm grieving, right? Like you can put these different tones to it and where it gets straight to the point, uh, you're introducing yourself, introducing a part of yourself because grief does become a part of who we are. And I think that that I'm statement in there really claims it and allows people to own their grief and so with the merchandise that's been a byproduct of this is I wanted to give people another outlet for that. The a way that they can express themselves without maybe going into a deep conversation if, if they choose to or choose not to, um, because at least it, it becomes a conversation starter or other people might see you wear the clothes or wear the bag or wear the hat and they'll see a reflection of them that they can walk around, you know, no matter where we are, they're going grocery shopping and you have the hat on and, um, you know, somebody says, oh my gosh, you know, like I am too. And they, they see somebody who is experiencing that same thing. So, I mean, I kind of had to push through a lot of that judgment of, gosh, what are you thinking? Like you're, you're putting grief on clothes and and you're being so bold that way. But, um, I think it's another way to get the conversation started and again for people to to own their grief and acknowledge it in a way because anytime I've when I made the first prototype I had a little bag that I would carry and people would come up to me and people would say hey here's my story like I'm grieving too and 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 they feel safe Um, it's, it's almost like with the inclusion work that I do it's kind of like when I have safe zone stickers for the LGBT community like when i've had that in my offices before people know this is a safe space for you to enter and so i wanted to create that safe space through the hello i'm grieving brand um, so that other people can have that awareness and that's what it is it it really is a brand awareness
0: and i love the notion what you said you said i'm putting my heart literally on my sleeve and i remember when when i first saw the first couple of things that you released i was taken aback i was like oh that's a lot." I had (laughs) this visceral reaction I was like oh like I've never really thought of showing it on an outward sort of way and then the more I sat with it the more empowering it felt because Mm. it felt like you know what I am grieving and sometimes I don't want to have to verbally communicate that to somebody and it's it's such a nice way to show that you're part of this in a way it's this club that you never really want to be a part of
1: yes exactly Exactly. Yeah, that's why even uh, one of the products says, Hello, I'm grieving club. <laughs> right. And So and also to know that we're a part of this community. And and it is, it's become this unspoken community. But once you're in it, and you find your people, you're able to move towards that healing and able to talk more openly, because like what you said is, it's like, we, whether you know, you saw something I was posting, you're like, she gets it. and And sometimes that's what we need. We need somebody to just get it.
0: Yeah. And in reading what you were putting out there, I I learned a lot about, you know, your story and your story about your sister. I wonder if you would like to share a bit more about that. Sure. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And it's also connected to this, right, is is because, you know, I wouldn't be doing any of this if my sister didn't pass away. And so my sister passed away in February of 2020. And um, she had an autoimmune disease called lupus. And so what essentially happens is your body reads like your blood cells and your different internal functionings as is, as if it's attacking you. So in in essence, your body attacks itself. So then it leads to a multiple organ failure, um, which she ultimately passed away from. But you know this, she was diagnosed when she was 16 and there are different things that that happen with lupus. But ultimately, what culminated is, you know, it started off with her kidneys failing and um, which then put her in the hospital. And that probably lasted anywhere from and it, that's with grief, right? You lose track of that time. And so like about nine months, close to like a year that we were in and out the hospital. And, you know, this is also some a point when I'm very aware of the privilege that I had, because I'm very aware that I had the privilege to actually be with my sister in the hospital where I know a lot of people didn't get that opportunity and, th- and that hurts like I, I know I will never feel that to the extreme, but it, I always want to let people know I'm aware of of that privilege that I had and and how I was able to and our family was able to always have somebody there with her and take care of her and to and that was hard because we had to watch her fight and we had to be in it and I think that really did make me just own again like I'm grieving you know, after she passed, I had to really own that for me to get to that next level of of trying to continue to live on and trying to continue to heal and impact others. Um, Because there's a thing called anticipatory grief, where when you're in it, especially if you're caretaking or if you have, you know, um, that space to understand what could potentially happen that could result in death, and I wish I would have known about anticipatory grief because I feel like I, and anticipatory grief is the grief that you feel while that person is still alive, but you may be anticipating their death um, because there is still that sense of loss. You're still going through, which I know people refer to as the stages of grief. However, it's not stages. So I always like to make that clear, um, but maybe it's like guidelines of like, this is what you may experience. And I was experienced, experiencing a lot of those, even while my sister was alive. And if I would have known about anticipatory grief, I think I would have been able to process things um, maybe just a fraction better. That would have been helpful. Uh, and I would have been able to have even better conversations or prepare for her death, uh, because when you're watching someone you know, go through, through that process, it can be very, very difficult, but I'm sure I'm speaking to the masses here where we get that, (laughs) we understand that um, on on some level. So I I think after she passed um, and I'm not one to sit still, you know, again, how it flowed into owning, I, you know, I was walking by my house one day and, and actually it was a conversation I had with myself where it was like, it hit me up the side of the head, like, hello, you're grieving, right? Like own it. And so that's where it all started. And I think even with launching the brand, it's been a real way for me to connect with my sister still, because I, I have to think about her when I do this. I have to think about the purpose, and the purpose is her. The purpose is figuring out a way to, you know, still honor her and to keep her alive. And we always had this thing where we would always talk about how are we going to start a business? Like we need we need to start something, and. And uh, and do things together, which we had in, in the past. And so I kind of feel like, okay, this is our business together. like, like we have it. and we can still we can still do it and impact others. And, and she was a nurse. She put herself through school, she raised two beautiful children. Uh, and, you know, she was just the strongest person that I've ever known. And so I want to do something to honor that. And I think this is it and um and also with that is you know the hopes of this is to grow this like i have a big vision for it to where we can it will then result in us being able to give proceeds back to grieving families because i also know the financial consequences of if you uh, experience the loss of someone who might have been the financial breadwinner or experiencing hospitalization costs that that can take a toll on a family or even providing for family members that are that are that are still here with us right and so when I do think about my sister's kids and what that's going to look like for them, um, but also meeting some of the other families that talk about the stresses that they have, I want to be able to give back and also give this a purpose as well. So that's the ultimate goal, is to be able to to give back to other grieving families or even help with like funeral costs, right? Like those can get really big with with planning there too. So a lot of big visions for this and and we're just starting. So hopefully, people understand it like you do and we can keep spreading that message.
0: And that definitely comes across in everything that you do and the way you speak about it. And thank you for sharing, you know, your your story with your sister. I really appreciate it. You know, that definitely comes across because everything that resonates and everything that comes from, you know, the Instagram page and, and, and the merchandise, it feels like a love letter to your sister. Mm. And that's the way it comes across to me because it just feels like I'm, connected to this person even though they're not here
1: thank you that's so nice and i guess it is right i love how you put that it's a love letter and and i think um it, it's my expression of how i'm able to to do that and and sometimes it's hard sometimes when i'm writing the posts it can be hard because i do want to be honest with people and i want to show other people they can be honest too Um, but it is, it really is a love letter. Thank you for saying that because I like looking at it that way.
0: Yeah, and what resonated with me is, you know, we share such a similar story in in the sense that, and I haven't really, and listening to you talk about your sisters, talk about your sisters so lovingly. And so, oh, sorry, give me a second. (laughs) I'm like, do not cry, not in the first 10 minutes. Um,
1: (laughs) And it's okay if you do, right? I think that's that's one of the, the best things is being, around people who understand that. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and one of the things you mentioned earlier was anticipatory grief. And I'd never heard of it in that term because we share such a similar story in that, you know, my mom was hospitalized for a very long time, well, not a long time, for a few months mm-hmm. um, while she was being diagnosed with motor neuron disease or ALS. And throughout that process, when she was being diagnosed and, and she was in the hospital, I was receiving therapy for something else anyway, and that focus of the therapy just shifted very naturally to what was going on, but I didn't know there was a term for grieving for someone whilst they were still with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that it blew my mind. <laughs> and so again, that's that's why, you know, with educating ourselves about grief and why I wanted to become a grief educator is so that I could help people, you know, with especially with people coming to the page and and I can only imagine it's it's almost as if I would I want to give out the education that I wish I would have had, right? Um, because there are absolutely people that are going through things that that they're just their brain can't process it if they're in the midst of it. Um, but if they had that that little, you know, negative information, then that could potentially help them um, or urge them to do something that they might not have tried before. And it could be helpful in in some way, um, because I get again, people aren't talking to you about it. I think, for me, even understanding the the medical field and and the process and i'm and that's something else i want to investigate too is what's the grief education that our healthcare providers are getting because there were definitely some times where i wish somebody would have just told me you know like point blank like is my sister going to die or is she not And, and and be real with me um so that i could start the process of trying to figure everything out and I, and sometimes i think we think people are going to be hurt so much we're going to be hurt anyways it's already a tough situation especially if you're in a long-term um process of of you know essentially watching someone die right and i've even had to get used to even saying those words so point blank and and so honestly and you know say death say dying and in, in all of that to come to terms with it. And, and sometimes I wish I would have had that um, language to use. And the more language that I've learned in this grief space, it has been very, very helpful um, for, for me as well. Like I also think there's, cause my sister's uh, death anniversary is coming up on February 12th. And I think I learned it's called Thanosversary. And so it's, it's I think it's like Greek or Latin that means death. But it's another way to instead of if you don't want to say death anniversary, you can say thaniversary. Um, you And know, maybe it sounds more elegant and better, but at least it gives you an option to, to use. Uh, so there's, there's still a lot of things that I, I'm learning. And the more that I can help educate people, then the better.
0: And one of the things you mentioned there was language. It's the language that we use that we, I don't know if it's just a societal thing or or a Western thing, maybe, I don't know. But we don't say dying. We don't say this person is dead. We don't, even saying it now made me feel uncomfortable to say. And I sort of like- you know, held back from saying it really loudly, we don't, you know, we say passing away, or it's very softer language that we use. Mm -hmm. And I wonder where that comes from. And I don't expect anyone to know the real or the succinct answer. But it feels like as a society, we don't encourage conversation about death. It's certainly not brought up.
1: Yeah, yeah. At
0: least within my circles, you know, outside of my therapist circle or immediate family, it's not brought up. Mm -hmm. And there are sometimes some days that I just think I need to talk about this, but I don't want to be like the bummer at a party, (laughs) Yeah, you know, be like, you know what, guys, I'm not having a great day, you know, I'm having and I started calling that I'm having a grief day.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. And
0: it just signals to somebody else that, you know, I'm not sad, I'm not emotional, I'm just contemplating, you know, I'm just, it's it's a thinking day. And Mm -hmm. I might not be. The usual stuff that I might be in ordinarily. And I mean, that's one way I've started communicating it to like immediate close friends so that they know what kind of day I'm going through.
1: Yeah. And I think that's great. I think even if we can come up with our own language, Right. And I think having a grief day is is especially if you're explaining that to friends, family so that they get it and they can understand it. And that's the beauty of language for us to communicate something so deep and intricate in just those two words like grief day and and people are like, okay, I got you. Um, and, And I think the language. I'm with you on understanding our society and figuring that out. I also think culturally it could be something different. Right. I'm sure there's plenty of cultures who talk about death and they're okay with it. Right. They celebrate death, I think, even you know, cultures that you see here in the United States. Um, my dad's from Louisiana. So I know in New Orleans, you know, people typically think about Mardi Gras, but they, their funeral processions are celebratory, right? They go marching, they have a band, you know, people don't dress in black, they dress in white. And it's, and it's, it's like a celebration. And we can see that in different cultures globally, how that how that shows. And I think that also speaks to how open are people talking about death. But I think you're right. It's, People think that death is so dark and it's so gloomy, which it is, there are parts of it that that are. Um, however, I've you know even been learning about stories where death has been um, an experience that people can be grateful for, that if they've prepared for it, if they're able to tell people exactly what they want. And that's why I'm, even now, this has put my life into perspective where I wanna plan for, my own death I want to make sure that that I'm prepared that other people know what I want uh, which also I think happens in our society is that we don't and so what happens when somebody does die and pass away is there's a lot of people that are left to pick up the pieces and that can cause even more stress within family um, and friendships as well
0: as well as financial stress as well yeah you know yeah. having to pay for funerals or if you have a mortgage on your home it's and and that's one of the things that I was very lucky with in that sense because you know, there wasn't a lot of that financial burden when my mom did die. And so we were. and I appreciate that it's a very privileged point to come from because a lot of people don't have that. Sure. And something you said earlier just reminded me of a conversation I was having with um, a friend. And if she's listening, she'll know who she is. I don't want to say her name or anything, but we were having a conversation about um, somebody she knew who, you know, was, was, was very terminally ill. Um, They weren't in the sort of like end stage of dying, but they were terminally ill. And I was explaining how in my culture, so I come from a Hindu sort of Indian background, Mm. you know, we believe in reincarnation. And so death is almost seen as a release more. And it's seen as, you know, you're, you're not bound to this earthly world where this Mm. is the pain and this is the suffering and that's where this happens. And so death is seen as this release from everything that sort of holds you back or holds you down. Mm -hmm. And, thinking about it it's so different talking about it contextually and then when you have someone in front of you yes and they're they're going through these stages and I appreciate our story might be different to other people's where it might happen more suddenly and their loved one has died very suddenly or as a shock um but suddenly thinking about you know it's okay she's not in pain anymore or you know, she's, you know, she's, she's, she's gone to whatever, you know, whatever religion or whatever you believe in, in the afterlife. And I kept having to say, say that as almost like a mantra, because mm-hmm. at the time I was understanding you're in bits, you're in pieces, you yes. you don't know left from right. And you're holding on to anything that you can grab onto. Yeah. And that rational part of you isn't always the one at the forefront that you're thinking of it's the emotional part that sort of takes over
1: yeah and i think that's a really good point that you bring up too because there are people who experience sudden sudden deaths right and that in itself is a shock (laughs) to to your system and and just all the emotions that that come into play i think that really adds to how complicated grief is because we can have these beliefs we can we can understand death we we may have been there to support somebody else who had experienced a a death or loss in their family but then when it comes to us and it hits home it hits completely different right even to the point now when i see other people it makes you more empathetic as well because when when you now see other people who are experiencing that same thing there's no doubt that there's part of me that feels it or it activates the grief again for myself and not to be selfish or anything it's just it's that awareness it's i'm aware that it it's hurting i'm aware that you may be struggling and and it it just it heightens your awareness overall Um, where some people you know, I never want to say like, oh, I'm I'm grateful for for this because I had to be grateful because my sister died. Right. Like, I will never be <laughs> happy that that my sister died. Um, and and there's still this new life and I guess maybe new perspective. I mean, you're going to live a new life because the person that that you love is no longer here. So the world is going to be different to you. And so, but it does give me new perspective on things, just relationships that I have with people, um, how I carry myself, the things that I say, even just how I look at trees outside, <laughs> you know? Your perspective really does does change. And I think my empathy level has been boosted way up now.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think for me, it things that felt important after my mom had died,
1: wow, yeah, yeah, they weren't
0: important, not really. You mm-hmm. know, does it really matter that you know something in my job really irritates me? Does it really matter? You know, these little and not to say that little, but these other things that felt so superfluous just melted away.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's not to say like I achieved some zen status. I'm still, you know, <laughs> yeah. human. And I still get irritated and angry, and I still cry. But. Mm-hmm. It really gave me perspective on what's actually important. Yeah. And what's important now, what's going to be important, you know, a year or two years from now. Mm -hmm. And everything else didn't bother me as much.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um. for sure. I definitely align with you on that as well, especially how you mentioned job things. And, you know, I even looking back, I, I think even thinking about guilt that comes from grief is you know, while I was in in the hospital and visiting my sister, you know, as much as I could, and we're rotating family members in that same time, like I was a workaholic. And that's something that's just in our family, like we work, 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 work. And, you know, there were even times, and I think I shared this on one of my posts of just how selfless my sister, you know, is slash was people can use their own (laughs) descriptors there is that, and she's laying in this hospital bed. It's like, you know, it's it's uncomfortable. There's painful moments. And I'm sitting there trying to get work done while I'm in the hospital. And it's like nighttime. And she's just like, you can, because I think I had turned the lights off. And I had like one little like flashlight thing or I was using my phone. She's like, you can turn the light on. Like, it's fine. I'm like, no, like, because she knew I was doing my work. And she was a workaholic too, <laughs> but But even like in those moments, when I think back on on that, it's like, yes, there's guilt surrounding. And and now I think I've learned that lesson of what is important and how I can try to be more present. It's still a work in progress. I'm not perfect. It doesn't just switch like that, like you were saying. Uh, But it, it really does make you evaluate your time the things that you're doing. You know, it's my goal for this year to actually, like I live in Los Angeles. I live in a place where people come to vacation and, and I want to experience things here that, you know, I I don't want to take for granted and, and to be able to use my time in a different way. And that's something that I feel like looking back, she wanted to do as well. And sometimes we take on, on those wishes from our loved ones, right. That like, Hey, how can we do something that maybe you wanted to experience and, and you wanted to do uh, and, and look at it from, from that lens as well.
0: Yeah. And in a way, how do we honor somebody mm-hmm. and carry on what they were like and who the essence of who they were in a way. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. I think yeah. it's, it's been a, it's been a journey. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I'm still trying to understand, you know, cause I still have conversations with my mom, like, like, you know, like what would she think about me doing like this or going yeah. for a different type of job or applying for, you know, uh, a master's. And and I always think like, what would mom say? And, and and it's one of those things that you just want to be able to have that conversation. It's, it's, and you just yeah. feel the essence of that person.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting that you talk about that. I think. I never want to tell people like, "Oh, you know, it's going to be easy. You'll be grieving, and then this," because you know it never really—it's that cliche. Like it never really ends. Uh, And it's—it's when the talking piece, like even when you said that, it resonated with me because it's going to be two year anniversary coming up um, in February, and I still don't have the conversations that I want to have with my sister. Um, even with the writing I think that's also why the social media platform helped because I felt like it's not really me journaling but really it is it, but it was a way for me to do that. Because I used to journal a lot more, but when my sister died, or even when she was in the hospital, I couldn't bring myself to write I couldn't bring myself to write. I, I couldn't bring myself to talk with my sister when she was here and, and in the hospital. And I couldn't bring myself to talk to my sister, you know, even now because, and I thought I would. Like that's one thing that I thought, it, and, and to where you think this is how you're gonna grieve, and then it totally throws you for a loop. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll talk to her, I'll write a, a write in my journal, but I, I, I didn't, and I'm still working towards that, even though I know how much that will help. And sometimes that's the hard thing about grief is you in a way we know what can help us, but taking that step to actually do it can be very hard. And I think that goes back to when I say, you know, how can you say hello to grief is, you know, how do you acknowledge it, how do you actually let it in, open the door and feel the things you need to feel because that helps you with the processing. So I've made it a point this year that I get up every morning and I I meditate. I set aside an hour in the morning. So I try to use that to meditate. And then I have some books that I read and then uh, like a little snippet from, and then I journal. And so that's been really eye-opening for me because it has allowed my emotions to flow through. It has allowed me to actually setting aside that time it's my private time nobody disturbs me i know exactly my purpose there and uh and then that's where i try to talk to my sister and i try to connect with her and and try to listen you know for because i believe in you know if you just listen close enough you you can hear something and so so that's what works works for me it may not work for everybody but i do think in those early days um, where I mean, I guess I'm still in that process where I just couldn't bring myself to talk to her out loud, or even internally, or even write my emotions down is because I knew if I did, it meant that it was real. And so that has been the, the the hard part is just admitting this is real life. This is how it's going to be. And that's hard to to admit. I mean, there was one letter that I did, which I am very grateful for. That when my sister was in the hospital, I, I couldn't bring myself to ask her, like I couldn't bring myself to talk to her about what if she dies, and um, so I wrote in a little book, and so I was just like, I wrote a letter to her, and and in and in that, you know, I told her that I'm worried about you dying, and so it's like for. And i just gave it to her i was like here read this but i think also how you know i'm also half filipino so i think in some asian cultures we don't talk about our emotions so much and so i think she read it and i could tell that she took it in but we never had a conversation about it so it's it's one of those things where i feel like at least i told her and i feel like she knew but I also do feel like it was probably hard for her in that in that space to to even say it out loud or have that tough conversation. Uh, so I know I probably went long winded there and off course, but but the, that that moment just just came to came to my mind and it will be something I'm grateful for. And it's also something that there's also there's still that guilt. There's always going to be that guilt where I wish I would have talked about things more, right. So those are some things even, even just people that are living now, I'm trying to even push myself to convey those messages of how much I care for them, how much I love them. And that can still be hard. uh, But that that's something that's a goal of mine to, to be again, just more outwardly verbal. And to to let people it's that again, cliches everywhere, but like to to be able to let people know before it's too late.
0: I love that you were able to have that moment with your sister. That you know, you're able to give her the letter and then she was able to process it in her own time. And even though you weren't outwardly verbalizing it, it was still communicated. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just so special because in terms of of the guild that you were talking about there were so many things and so many conversations that i wanted to have and i didn't know how to have and you know we had palliative care very involved mm. in in the care of my mum and you know they're really great with me and my brother like i can't fault them they were so supportive and i was almost asking them to initiate conversations because i couldn't do it and you know, the things that were being said and I was in that room and I was just in tears and I I couldn't do it. So I had to rely on, I suppose, the professionals in the room to help initiate that kind of stuff. But even coming back to that guilt, I found that that hasn't gone away. And I thought it would in a way. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I thought, you know, that guilt has almost stayed with me. And in a way I've, identified with it a little not that I meant to but it almost feels like it's a part of that grieving process oh sure Mm -hmm. and not just the guilt of the conversations you didn't have but also the guilt of I get to keep going
1: yeah and I have to Mm
0: -hmm. I have to live a life without this other person Mm -hmm. and for me I've never known my life without my mom in it and who i'm I'm trying not to cry here julie um you know and so for me imagining a life that doesn't involve her or where i don't have that person as an anchor i i didn't know what to do and i still don't to a certain extent
1: oh yeah and and it's a process like you're saying and and i think sometimes we think that process is just going to end when it's something that's going to be continuous and, and it's going to take many different avenues to try or, or different things to do. And I think with the guilt, one thing that we learned through the grief educator courses is, is, you know, how can you assign, you know, truths to that? Because we look back and I think one of the examples that was used is, you know, if, if there is a sudden death that occurs and some people they always go back whether they think oh if I would have done this or if if I would have done that things would have been different however if we take a step back and really break it down and ask ourselves like the truths of the matter you know because some people might feel guilt they might feel like they were the cause of of a death right and it's it's even I, I think somebody had been talking about how maybe their son had passed away um suddenly but they were in another country but it's it's one of those things is you know could you have really truly have known that this was going to happen like what's the truth of it right like would you have been able to fly across the country and be there at that moment right and and do you have a superpower to know that like this would have occurred it's it's i mean i know i'm i'm saying that very fundamentally and probably not saying it in the best way however it is really breaking down those truths and and so for me like some of my truths were was i even aware of what was happening you know um did I understand the realities of it My, and asking myself those questions or, you know, do you really think you were in the mindset to be able to acknowledge this or know this and and you might play back and forth these these battles in your head of like, yes, well, you should have done this. You, sh- you should have done that. But if I really take that moment to really own like who I was, in what I was experiencing in that moment, I don't think that that would be my truth that there would be a way that I would have known or that you know, like I wasn't able to be. I was with my sister probably those few days before um she passed, um, and then I was tired, right? Like, and and I always go back, I'm like, well, she was tired, but you know, and I was driving like back and forth, um, and and so it was somebody else's day that day, right? They were like, "Hey, take a break. It can be, you know, Mom's day to go in there." And you know, I wasn't able to be there, and it was it was sudden that happened, right? Um, just because of some more complications that she had. And so it's like for me, I beat myself up that I wasn't there for her in in her last moments. Um, but again, I go back like, how could I have known? Like how could I have known? And and so it it's really like for me again. I always like to preface with those two words for me, like so, um, because I know it's going to be different for everyone. And and those are ways that I try to absolve that guilt or at least quiet it down um, for the moment, and uh, try to try to reframe it in those ways. But really trying to think about like what was really the truth. And, and kind of being like a private investigator and, and really figuring out the, the truth, right? Um, because a lot of us, and, and when it goes back to that that blame, right, of was this my fault? Could I have prevented it? We go through all these different cycles. And it's really breaking it down to the, to the truth of the matter and um, could something have changed, right?
0: Exactly. And I wonder how much of it is linked to forgiveness just being able to forgive yourself for, you know, not being at the right place at the right time or not being more aware of what was going on or being more present or having more meaningful conversations. And it's the, it's the, what if.
1: Yeah. And those are, those are the ones that can eat you. Right. And I think sometimes if, if, if your true goal is to like go towards healing is is kind of it's focus on that right our mind is going to go on on what we focus on and and you know there are people that it does become very, very difficult for them and they can get into the very depths of grief. That's why I'm always encouraging people to try something, whether it's getting outside and walking or whether, you know, it is going to therapy. Therapy might not work for everyone, but, you know, it's something that worked for me and it's something that I've had to try multiple therapists. And I know that can kind of be hard to do, but at least try, try anything really, right, Um, that can be productive and that can be positive, because there is an outlet there that maybe you didn't know you would stumble across, and it can it can help. So I mean, who, who was I to think that Instagram would help me? (laughs) And and it's, it's like, I tried, I tried something, I, I heard it on a podcast, and I tried it. And if it doesn't work, okay, on on to the next. And, and do that. And so, I mean, even one of the things that I want to do with Hello, I'm Grieving, and especially because knowing the effects of being outside, knowing the effects of how physical activity can help with our endorphins, with our brains, with serotonin, all that good stuff, is uh, I want to uh, do some grief hikes out here in Los Angeles. Hopefully it spreads out, you know, we could have different um, events happen. But I want to do that. Like, I want to bring the community together. Uh, and so we can also stay safe and be outdoors, but give people that opportunity to even like walk with their grief and to have a safe space where they can meet other people that are grieving uh, and do some, some healing things at, at the top of our hike. So hopefully you'll be able to put those together here soon and and to be able to give people another way to try to you know, release that guilt to hear from others, to connect and to process their grief in a different way.
0: I love that idea. I love that <laughs> idea of a grief hike, because yeah. most of what I've known is, is very therapy based. And it's very, you know, you can do it on your own. And that's mm-hmm. what I've done for this whole time. And I've only started, for me, I've only just started to go into group therapy. Oh, yeah. And, whoa, that was a lot.
1: I liked um, it. I like grief therapy, oh, group therapy. That's what's you? worked for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In what way. I'm interested.
1: Yeah. So, right when my sister passed, I was like, I need help. Like, cause, you know, I'm a wreck. I need help and I do not want this to prolong like this. I needed to be proactive. And so, I used um, BetterHelp, which is an app online that you can oh you use that one too yeah
0: I I used it for a different problem a couple of years ago but yes
1: yeah and so I was like okay this is all I can handle right now let me just try it so I tried that and it was you know I could do it face to face I could do it over the phone and so for me what worked out is I just did it over the phone and that was a good start for me and then I was recommended to go to um to group therapy and again this is the beauty of when you speak and tell people you're grieving is because i would never have been able to have been linked to this group therapy if i did i I was at church like it was like the week after my sister died and i went to church and something moved me to just stand up and like kind of tell they give us an opportunity to all stand up. I have a really great inclusive church that, uh, that I go to called New Abbey here in Los Angeles. And, you know, we, we share news there. And so um, I just shared that news and was crying and and everything because it was only a week after. But again, I knew I needed something. So I was like, maybe something spiritually I needed um, and just surrounded by people. And so I told people what happened. And after that um, church um, um, day, a woman came up to me and said, hey, you know, thank you for sharing all that. There's this great group um, called Our House here in Los Angeles, and they have group therapy. And so I was like, okay. I'm gonna call. I'm a. I'm gonna see what what this where this leads me, and I got into the group, and it was a very specific niche group which I loved, uh, and they gave me options. But I'm glad I got put into this group where it was for people who had experienced the loss of a sibling within the past year, so we would all kind of be in that same mindset and. And you know the group started out big and that's why maybe it's it's for some people it's not and it was done virtually and um, then it started narrowing down so we ended up maybe with about six people a good six that that we were there and i think it was about like a nine month program so we met like every other week and so you really get to connect with these people you get to know their siblings you get to and this is and that space was the space where i had my biggest breakthrough i feel like where i felt like it helped me the most Because it really was that space where I could talk about whatever and say whatever I wanted to say, and nobody would judge me for it. And you never felt like you were judged. And you got to learn about other people's experiences and and how they were doing it. And, and you got to see the different you know, some people were able to still smile and laugh and some people were, you know, a wreck and that was all okay. It was all okay. So you got to see all these different ranges and we still stay in touch. Like our group still stays in touch. We got together for dinner, like, you know, after, uh, I think I'm supposed to be planning another dinner for us to, to get together again. So it's like, now you always have those, we have a group chat now. So it's like, now if I'm having a grief day, right? I can say that to them. And I can tell them what's happening, whether they choose to reply or not, at least I know it's a safe space that I can vent and that I can like tell them everything. And and it was the first place, I know I cried in my one-on-one, but it was really the first place that I felt like I had a space to cry. And I I wasn't crying. Like that was the only place that like I really would cry. Other than that, when I was, you know, out of therapy and walking around this earth i really held a lot of those tears in and that was a a space where i felt like okay i'm gonna get to cry tonight like i'm gonna get to 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 put that out there and that in itself was therapeutic that in itself was a really good release for me so i'll forever be grateful for for that experience with with my group and again that's for me that's what was was helpful uh and that's where i can really pinpoint where I had a breakthrough because you could see the growth from how we all started until the very end and like to where we could make jokes at the end of it. You know, and and it's a commitment and you, we also said we ended up actually looking forward to coming like every other week where we were like oh yes, like as much as we had going on, we knew we were dedicated to that space and we felt responsible to the other people we felt accountable to the other people in that group to show up um and help support them so i think that's also a, a really good thing about about group
0: that's given me a bit more hope okay in terms of group because i've always, I've yeah. always done one-on-one mm-hmm. and it's virtual because of covid and everything yeah. but you know i i did the group therapy with untangled grief who are really great cool. and uh-huh it was just so intense. And I thought, whoa, this is a lot to take on. But the more I sat with it, I just sat with, okay, don't shut off emotionally, you know, don't do any of the rebound sort of core cool stuff that I always do. And the more I sat with it, I'm like, I don't have to explain anything to these people yeah. because they just get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have to rationalize or justify anything. And there were people who were crying, people who didn't. Mm-hmm. And it was so okay and so i'm so thankful to hear of a really good positive group experience because it gives me a bit more hope yeah to continue with that
1: and it, it's it's again just like you want to find the right therapist it's also about finding the right group right and and it's okay if that group doesn't work there there might be another one that does and 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 find what what works for you right um and and i think with with groups it it really is um, it, it really gives you that opportunity to explore your own grief. Like I said, it, it was just a safe space for for me to be able to to do that. And and it's like your emotions have to go somewhere. That's also from my from my grief education. So I studied under David Kessler, which is like the big name in grief, like attached to Elizabeth Kubler Ross, who you know talked about the five stages, right? And so even learning from him and learning, you know, how we're able to, that's one of the best things that I've learned with my emotions and being able to express them in front of other people, especially in a group setting, is that our emotions need to go somewhere. And if you can sit with your emotions and ask it, like, why am I feeling this way? Or why is this the emotion coming up? You can discover a lot more. And then also... Another big takeaway that I had from that is that there are no good or bad emotions, and that was very freeing for me to learn because a lot of us assign crying or anger or things like that. Those are the ones that we see as negative emotions, whereas, you know, it's okay to be angry and and you need that anger to go somewhere you need to be able to let it out right. And because if it stays in, it can fester and become something else that could really be something negative. And so if if we can understand that emotions are just emotions, they are what they are, there is no good and bad, because I think the bad is the actions that you may take. But if we aren't expressing these emotions and processing them, then that's where they can take to negative actions. But the emotions itself, they're just indicators. They're just another way that we're communicating and I think when we can sit in that discomfort, especially when we're sitting across from somebody else and expressing that emotion. Then that's where those real steps in our journey to like processing and getting towards healing can really can really happen and and it is going to be uncomfortable and you know i'm I'm a former. athlete as well, and so i've been I think that's also that something that has helped me is because I have known what it's like to push myself outside my comfort zone and to sit in that discomfort and to be un- be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And because I know that's where that true growth happens. The true growth happens when you finally get out your comfort zone. And so that's what it's been like for me with emotions, especially, like I said, coming from a family who culturally did, did not express emotions. We were a family that may not have said, I love you, or given hugs or things like that. And so for me now to finally change and be like, it's okay if my niece and nephew see me cry, like, it's okay if we have these tough conversations that, that there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, so I think, and sometimes that takes other people, you know, some time to get used to, but I think if they now understand where you're coming from, it can, it can be very, very helpful in, in a lot of relationships and the relationship with ourselves to really understand our own emotions
0: absolutely and I love what you said about you know the emotions and just letting them pass by and not stopping them and that these ne- these there's you know some of these emotions like the crying it's not a bad thing and it, it that sort of resonated with me because very early on I would I stopped first thing I stopped apologizing for crying in front of people Ooh, very good early one. on,
1: good and one. I was like
0: because I think maybe in like a British way you're just like very apologetic for everything and I would apologize to like you know, the nurse or the doctor. And I was like, you know what? Eff it. Like, I'm crying. good. This good. is what's happening. This is really shitty right now. Mm-hmm. Like, if I wasn't crying, then I'd be worried. Um, So I stopped apologizing for crying in front of people. And then what I also stopped doing was stop labeling. Like if friends were checking in with me, and I was like, in the middle of crying, I was like, I'm having a really bad day. And I stopped and I had to it didn't it wasn't that immediate, of course. But I had to stop myself and be like, It's not a bad day to cry. It's not a bad day to miss someone. Mm. I'm expressing something and like any other expression, it's just the way you do it.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. I don't know why what you just said made me think of this. Um, Because even when, when we think of anger, right. Um, And I don't know if I've ever shared this story, but I do think it's an important story that I do want to tell just because I feel like it's, it's very helpful. but when my sister um, passed away, um, and we were in we were in the hospital, and so I was the last one left with her in her in her hospital room. And so and, and I'm thinking of my like what could be deemed as like negative emotions is I had my angry, you know, like I had ang- anger come out because one of the nurses came in and I was just trying to, you know, I'm sitting there with my sister and um, process everything that just happened and they said something along the lines of well they're going to come in and put her in a bag and then take her away and then so i'm very grateful that i said what i said because i'm absolutely sure this will stick with that person forever and i hope it did (laughs) but i was angry in that moment i was angry in that moment that they just thought that it was okay to just tell me we're going to put her in a bag right that we're just gonna we're just gonna put her in a bag and and put her away right and when they could see that I was visibly distraught and so I and I had a choice whether I just be with my feelings and my you know in my sadness or do I get angry and 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 I think I questioned myself probably in a really quick second is like, why am I angry? And that like, I can't sit here and let that that be said to me. And it's and I do feel you know, I'm understanding that person was well intentioned, maybe they were like young in their career. But I definitely told them I was like, never, I was like, never tell a family member again, that you are going to put her in a bag. And I don't care if the whole floor heard me yell at this person <laughs> at that point, right? It's because that was something that needed to be said. And that anger had a purpose. That anger came from this person needs to understand. Sure, they may have made a misstep in what they said. But, you know, I said, okay, maybe you'll say, hey, we're going we're gonna to take care of her. We're going to, you know, make sure she's all cleaned up will you know make sure that we take care of everything for you and notify your family what to do next right they they could have left all of that out um you know just about we're going to put her in a bag like and so it's like i just have this image you know and um and so i think my anger had a purpose in that moment and you know maybe somebody might think well you're yelling or you're doing this and it's it's like no like why am i yelling why am i angry what is the message that i'm trying to convey and so you know they were very apologetic but i could definitely tell on their face that they knew like and that's why i really feel like that will stick with that person so and also in my head i was like well you know i could be hurting right now but i'm hopefully saving another family from having to experience that type of of language or you you know um what they would be told in that moment
0: and and thank you for sharing that because mm-hmm. I had a similar experience, but I want to come back to that. But for, for me, whatever happens, they're the professional in the room. You're the one who's living it. You're the family member, the, the, the person. You, know, you, you don't have to control what you say or how you say things all the time because you're the one who's literally grieving. They're the professional in the room. And what I was really angry at and I love that it's angry it's frustrated it's is we were you know really fighting against the hospital administration you know to get referrals not physically fighting of course but like sure <laughs> you know I just wanted to get like um you know we were you know to get referrals to get things done and me and my brother were put in a position where we became the professionals in the room mm. and I told and I remember having this um multidisciplinary meeting with the doctors the nurses the palliative care everyone was there and we had them regularly I said, this is what you've done and this is the scenario that's been created and this is what's happening to me and my family as a result. And we've now become professionals in the room where we're having to fight for referrals. We're doing a lot of the personal care and I've lost, I'm losing that relationship with my mom Mm. because you aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And similar to how you had that reaction with the, with that nurse or whoever it was that said that to you, I felt like there was a shift in the room where they, 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 I hope at least some of them got it. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh yeah, because I'm there all day doesn't mean that I have to do some of the duties that would have been done by somebody else. Mm -hmm. I'm there to spend meaningful time and to care because you will. it's your family, it's your mom, it's your sister. Yeah. You'll do it without question Correct. and without hesitation. It doesn't mean that you have to do it mm. because somebody yeah. else isn't.
1: That's such a good way to think, right? Especially that time and how precious that time is. you know, that's that's a really good. i'm I'm thinking about that now. Because like you said, you're gonna do it anyways. Like I was doing a lot of stuff in there, you know, and and trying to understand everything and, and all the medical jargon, which can be so mind-boggling, right? Um, and, and trying to understand that and you know what's a good blood pressure, what's a good level, and <laughs> hearing all the beeps and, and trying to, to understand everything or or changing garments, right? Um, so it's it's not all pretty in there and and it can be exhausting and i i mean i absolutely appreciate because you know my sister was a nurse nurse practitioner i come from a family of nurses so i i do appreciate people who are helping uh, i just wonder and again this is me from a an inclusion person is I always give grace to the other side to because there are things that I probably don't understand. And I, I do think that there's a lot of, you know, validity in what you're saying as well, because like I've never thought of it that way. Like that could be time that I could be, you know, investing in some quality care. Um, and I know how stretched our medical community is right now, right? Our, I can only imagine what's happening in hospitals now, and the burnout that's taking place. It's. I wonder if there can be more conversations with patients and medical field folks to understand what could be helpful for both sides in that process. And maybe that's where the communication is lost. I. I think that's a that's a program that. I'm looking to be a part of as well because I know they offered that after my group. They said that they wanted to take a few volunteers to talk with medical professionals to give them the insight from grievers. And I thought that was excellent so that they can offer that that to them too and, and give them that space to communicate with one another.
0: And I can just see you being so good at that and being able to communicate <laughs> it in a way that's not blaming or, you know, not in an angry, but with a purpose. There's mm-hmm. an intention. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what comes across from just having this conversation from, you know, your Instagram posts, your videos, you know, the, it's the purpose that always comes across. And that's always feels genuine to me.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That's my goal is. And even when, when everybody, I don't get to everybody, um, cause I'm not a social media guru by any, <laughs> by any means, I'm still learning. But, you know, when people, like I say, join the community or they follow, you know, I'll always try to send them a message and just well, because if if I'm all about saying hello, I need I need to acknowledge people that are that are here. So I try to say hello to everybody Uh, and sure not everybody responds, but that's okay right I respect that and some people. They're just and I try to explain to them I'm a real person. So if I don't get back to you in a timely manner or anything like that, like I'm actually a real person doing all this by myself. Um, But there are people that which I love and it does it just takes that it just takes for you to say hello. It takes for you, you know, to say this is my story. And I'm a firm believer if you share your story, it allows other people to share theirs. So it does open it up. People will just tell me this is what happened. This this is why I'm here. And I appreciate that so much because they don't have to, right? And in, in some way, shape or form, I, I li- I'd I like like to believe that that helps them. That helps them that even if they feel like I'm a stranger and they feel like this isn't even going anywhere, like at least they can get it out some way, shape or form. Uh, so, so again, it, it goes back to that purpose of how can I be of service and how can I make an impact because you really do truly realize you, you literally have just this one life and, and what, what can I do with this one life? And I want to push myself to see what I can do.
0: Yeah. And that was the turning point for me because you actually do practice what you preach because I remember that very message you are talking about, you know, <laughs> just introducing yourself, like, and, and I thought, wow, I did. I want, I didn't expect it, but I thought, Oh, a lot
1: of people don't, a lot of people no. are so surprised. <laughs>
0: And that made me want to like message back. And then we talked about the podcast and that sort of spurred on from that. But, and it was such a lovely way to be acknowledged. Like I'm here. This is my story. I acknowledge that you have a story and you're going through something because you wouldn't be here if you wouldn't, Mm -hmm. if you weren't. Mm -hmm. And it was just a a lovely, just a beautiful way just to acknowledge somebody else's presence and what they might be going through without having to, expect anything from them because there was no expectation to repel. no
1: no no none at all and I think what's been happening uh, some things I've been noticing too which I appreciate is now people are coming to the page because they are a friend or family member of someone who is grieving so sometimes when I say hello they're like oh I'm not grieving like I, I like nobody passed away like in my life but my best friend had somebody or you know um a, another relative or a coworker, right? And so they, they say they're, they're just coming because they wanna know how to support them. And I think that's beautiful. So I always commend them because I'm like, this is already a sign that you're doing something great for them. They, they might not be able to respond to you right now, or they might not be able to, to tell you that it's helpful, but in hindsight, it, it's going to be helpful um, for them. And, and I try to give them different ways that, that they can support um, that person in their life.
0: Yeah. Because obviously for us, we're thinking of it from our own perspective, but, and, and I've been on the receiving end of other people where they didn't know what to say and you could see that they weren't sure. And then they said something and I was like, Ooh, okay. I understand <laughs> that you mean well, but maybe just don't say that. And I wonder yeah. if there are things that you encourage people to reframe perhaps um, that might be more helpful for somebody who is sort of thinking of somebody oh, yeah. who is grieving and
1: yeah one of the most helpful things that that I've had um, whether it's been told to me or whether like this is what I recommend to other people just because of my own experience is when you say like hey I'm here for you or let me know what I can help with like I'll, I'll help with anything when you're grieving and at that very like beginning part which is when a lot of people will say that to you it drops off tremendously like give it a week or two and it's gone oh <laughs> <So yes>. that's <laughs> that's pretty much my reality there but that's you know it's it is what it is and you do see the true people that are there with you throughout it right they'll check in occasionally which i've appreciated but when that happens and you say this is I can do anything for you or I'll be here for you. Just let me know. It's more so be more direct and just say, "Hey, I'm going to be sending packages to your house. I'm going to come over, I'm going to mow your lawn. Um, hey, I'm going to come over and watch your kids or I'm going to walk your dog for you." Like it's up to you if you're there to support that person in that moment. Come up with one a couple things that you feel like you can do for them and just tell them that's what you're going to do. Because um when you're in that state of mind, you have no idea what you want. You have no idea what will help you. And the more concrete people can be, or if you just do it, like, I think what I really appreciated is I had friends send me like DoorDash or delivery food gift cards. And at that moment, I was like, I'm not going to do anything with this. I don't want to eat. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch it. Right. But when I started getting that appetite back, I was completely grateful. I was like, "Oh yes, I have this gift card that I can use, and they'll deliver it to me," because I didn't want to cook, I didn't want to get off the sofa, I didn't know, you know, anything at that point. And so I was able to use that. Um, an example of me not knowing what I wanted is my one of my best friends. Uh, she actually works for this this food company, and so she's like, "I can send you all this food." And so she was she was asking my wife. She was like, "Well, what does Julie want?" And then so my wife was like, hey, what do you want? You know, your friend is going to be sending you some stuff. And the only thing that I could muster was popcorn. I have no idea why I wanted popcorn or why that popped in my head. But because people are asking you these questions, you know, it, it was the first thing that came to mind. And, and so she sent me a lot of popcorn, <laughs> but, but it, and amongst other things, but it, it's, it's like that example of like, I have no idea what I want in this moment. So I think just be direct, say what you're going to do and, and follow through and do it um, because people will re- will remember that.
0: And one of the things you mentioned earlier was that, you know, you are still young in your grief and you mentioned that your sister passed away around almost two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I love that feeling of, oh, sorry, I'm going to get emotional. Um, Give me a second. It's
1: okay. Hey, we talked about emotions, right? It's completely fine. It's true. I think I... The more people who see this, like that's, that's the reality of it.
0: Yeah. And I think the reason why I'm getting emotional is because I thought, okay, you know, grief lasts a certain period of time and then you get over it and then you just get on with your life. And I think that stemmed from it was somebody who's very close to me who said, it's been six months. And with that kind of tone, I thought, it's only been six months. And so I had to literally change the tone of what they said to make it make sense for me. Mm -hmm. And knowing that you still think that you're so young in your grief experience at two years makes me feel so much better.
1: Okay, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely, one thing that was hard for me with, with the time, and I don't know if you experienced this or if anybody else had experienced this is it's hard to explain, like, so my sister died on February 12th. And then, so then it's like every day that went by and even going up to, to this year, it was so hard because. It's like, I felt that was me getting further and further away from her, right? And it's like, I felt like I needed a closeness in the dates that, you know, even if it was a week, I, I think that's when I just started feeling like, oh my gosh, like, it's it's been a week. And I see, even now, like, cause when you're talking about, I can't explain it, but and there was even some, I don't know, it's not necessarily guilt, but I think it's just some hard feelings. Maybe I can't verbalize that right now. But even in a year, I, I was scared of that first year marker because again, that reality sets in that I'm going to be counting now for the rest of my life, like how many years it's been or how many days it's been. And that year pulled me further away. But there was also this like, other side of it where i was like okay it's it's i think maybe that only six months like it's only been a year so that means i'm still kind of close to my sister like it's it's very but now it's like when it's coming up on this two year the two year the first year was all a blur like i have no idea what happened in this in the first year it was very hard but then going into the second year it's it's been a little bit different but I just, I know it's going to be a whole process. Like I can't even imagine what 10 years is going to be like. Right. So when I hear people reach out to me, like it's been 10 years since my person passed away and I'm like, gosh, and like, you still feel it. And so I'm wondering who will I be at that 10 year? What will my relationship be with my grief, with my sister? You know, after 10 years, but at least it's an indicator that it's gonna be here forever. And so if you know it's gonna be here forever, what will you do? Um, and I think sometimes when we're talking about that time is some people, they may feel guilty about you know, their grief and how they're processing it. But I think give yourself a little bit of grace because if you know your grief is always gonna be there, it's okay if you set it aside for for a little while. Like if you take some time off for yourself, that's okay because your grief will still be there waiting for you. So you can go ahead and pick back up that conversation or, or those feelings anytime you want to.
0: And I'm sure everyone is going to relate to that, you know, who they're going to be in 10 years and five years or even the day after. And I almost feel like I'm sort of moving away from the actual date of my mom's death and I'm mourning not feeling those intense feelings in that way. Yes, exactly. I'm I'm saddened by how I'm using that to stay close to her.
1: You said it. That That's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. And I'm
0: almost grieving her, but I'm grieving the grieving process because yes. it's less intense. And that's the only way I felt connected right now anyway. I hope that yes. changes.
1: You said that perfectly. Thank you for that.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I want to thank you for your time today. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. I feel like we could literally talk for hours. Um, But for anyone who wants to look at the content and find you where can they find you
1: it's really easy um it's hello i'm grieving that's why i think people haven't been talking about this because every url was available <laughs> so at hello i'm grieving on instagram and it's uh hello i'm grieving.com and so that's again where you can find where you can submit your story to me um, and then you can also find the hello i'm grieving branded merchandise there as well
0: Perfect and i'll put all the details down in all the description boxes below, but thank you so much for sharing your story, thank you for being such a great grief advocate and creating this space and awareness and community for people to share
1: with. Thank you so much. Thank you. There's a car horn going off in the background. So I don't know if you could hear that now, but that's the virtual space. But thank you so much for having me. And I really hope your listeners enjoy this and they learn at least one thing that can help them in their grief. So thank you for what you're doing.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Julie. All right. Bye.